Hey, hey, Amir, you like movies? I do like movies, man. Hey, Marcus, you like movies? Yes, I do. This is Zebras in America podcast. We're back after taking a week off. I had to take care of some shit. I had to back up all of my videos of uh, kickboxing. Okay. All right. You like like kickboxing? Yeah. Videos of me watching the the movie Kickboxer. Oh, I got it. Got it. Yes. So, uh, who who do we have the pleasure of talking to today? So, uh, Amir Matla is the name. Coming from uh, from Los Angeles. Yeah. Yeah, an L.A.-based filmmaker who... um, over the last couple of weeks, I've had the pleasure of watching two of your films specifically uh, a couple of times. Because, well, not to dive right into it, but uh, sometimes we both do. But me, myself, I'm big on um, comparisons. in right. but, but, but in a respectful way, not like, oh, you copied this. Just sometimes influence, and sometimes it cannot be, and I'm just reminded of, like... So I just, to jump right into your, your, your one film, uh, Three Worlds, and, and that is a 2018 film, yes? I was immediately, I mean, culturally, obviously not, it's it's your own film, but in terms of certain stylized things, I was immediately reminded of Knight of Cups. Is that, okay. am, am I off base when I, uh... No. Yeah? No. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would say Malik is a pretty major influence. Oh, I love hearing that. Okay, so so let's, let's rewind back a little bit. So you are an L.A.-based filmmaker. Right. And you're in L.A. right now. Mm-hmm. True. You got a guitar in your house. Recording an album right now as we speak. Awesome. Almost done. And you have you put out two movies this year. Uh, two movies. They're unreleased as of now, but uh, it should be coming out later this year. Yeah. You have two films on the circuit, as they say. Exactly. So t- tell tell us a little bit about them. So this was part of a series of films, A Man in Three Worlds is part of a series of films called Three Marks, Too Many Signals, and it includes those films and a 2016 visual album I did called Canyon, which was an EP and a short film, single take film, um, and that was released in 2016, and then this was kind of a continuation of that, so I was working on all these pretty much at the same time, mm-hmm. and uh I think production for Man was late 2015, um, and Three Worlds basically has been in production for the last, let's say, four, four or five years. Okay. Wow. So which, um, well, I did kind of, I apologize, because I got very excited. I'm, I'm a big fan of Three Worlds. I kind of jumped ahead and started talking, you know, before Scott caught me with the uh, <laughs> proper in, in introduction, but like... Not to sound so hacky, what was the genesis? Because for those who don't know, Three Worlds is kind of a... It's kind of a half-documentary, half-fiction hybrid, it seems, or more like a like a video diary, or a visual personal journal, kind right. of. Are, are, all those, are all those on base? Yeah, I mean, I would say, I would say all of that. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, let's see, I mean, it's, it's hard. This, this, this project in particular is probably the hardest for me to describe. I think it's an uh, amalgamation of a bunch of different ideas I've had over the years Mm -hmm. because I've been making work for about a little over 15 years. So this was kind of uh, that process basically found its um, crescendo with three worlds of the process that I I had been working on. Uh, Mm -hmm. So if you go back, you'll see some similarities within the older work. 
particular, there is characters in Three Worlds that have appeared over the last 15 years of my works, right? So they'll, they might pop up here and there, but it's kind of a reference back to that whole process. So are you, try, are you trying to create your own shared universe? In this particular body of work, yeah, absolutely, yeah. And so, so, what, so give us a little biographical information. Where are you from? What got you into movies? What's your favorite color? What's your sign? What's your take on Cassavetes? You know. <laughs> All right. So um, let's see. Let's see where we go. So uh, Cassavetes' famous favorite film is Husbands. Um, Great answer. Great answer. Uh, favorite color is blue, which I actually, it's funny that you mentioned that. I had made a film last year that has that question in subtitles which is uh very funny that you brought it up my personal favorite color is blue um background i'm iranian american i was born in the states uh i have i have lived in iran for a little while um and then how i got into media basically filmmaking is uh i started as an actor decided quickly that shit wasn't for me uh, mm -hmm. in terms of just like going on auditions and doing like some terrorist readings and all that shit was not um, appealing so uh, sure, sure. I just uh, you know got a hold of a camera and at that time it was like the start of the DV revolution uh, it was like a camera called like an XL1 or whatever I don't remember but I think that's what it was and uh, I had a friend who's an incredibly accomplished uh artist in his own right right now, Tuan Nguyen, out of Vietnam. Now, he was working at Time Warner in the early 2000s, and I think it was Time Warner AOL, and uh, he had access, they had a media room there, and he had access to the equipment. So we had concocted a plan, let's go in one night, jack the shit, do this film real quick, and then put, you know, bring back all the gear. Yeah. And that, that was basically the first film I ever did called Dino Dino, uh, early 2000s, uh, all on uh, courtesy of Time Warner. Nice. You got to work to your advantages. I mean, that's sort of what that's sort of what Cassavetes was doing and other people just like create, create a NYU class filled with kids and now you have free labor or just steal totally. or just steal cameras. Or, but well, like you know, Cassavetes himself, he borrowed from Shirley Clark uh, to make Shadows, his first uh, fe feature sure. film. Yeah, right. so you know, I mean, and there was like some that you know, it's like the basics. Um, he wouldn't have made that film had it not been you know for Shirley Clark. There were other you know, he he funded stuff with his own money, but still, and as far as use, equipment and goes, he used like, NYU students. And yes, shit. oh, absolutely, yeah, as like the crew and everything. Yeah, one well, he wasn't an NYU student, but one famous young guy who went on to become one of his regulars, you know, Seymour Cassell. Who had came from Michigan to New York? You know, he was, um, yeah, he was like one of the guys that 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 he used, and, and you can see him at the beginning of Shadows as well. So he was kind of a day one Cassavetes guy. And you're, you're a musician. I, I am a musician under the under the name Mirrors M I R S. Uh, I had a former band called Shanks and the Dreamers. Uh, part of the reason, I mean, I I think part of my background in terms of filmmaking is that. I did have a little bit of that, uh, of uh, punk rock background, um, also kind of like mixed with hip hop. I used to be a b-boy. Um, and so that was like, you know, when you, when you, when you don't have the means
things. Like I didn't go, at that time there was no film school. I didn't know about uh, necessarily how to make films, but uh, but I had that kind of that ethos. Was just like grab the shit, do what you can within the tools that you can, and, and uh, you know basically just try to create and, and keep it keep it raw, right? That like because you obviously. It's not like now. There was there was very little tools. There was no Mac at home, right? Like the way the editing process for something that was like 16 minutes at that time took us a good year. Yeah. Basically, just trying to hustle my way into finding play, uh, ways to edit, right? Yeah. So. Yeah, those Avid rigs used to be crazy. Yeah, I mean, the first, my first film, Dino Dino, what I did was uh, was basically I had a Japanese friend, uh, Daiki, who I did a film with as an actor. He had this machine, <laughs> yeah. which was kind of like a mini DV, mini DV, reel to reel. So that's kind of how we were cutting it, you know, at like 3 a.m. in the, cha- the old Chaplin building in Hollywood because I had a, a friend who rented the space. So, you know, whenever I was out of school or whatever, we would just go over there and, you know, edit through the night. And uh, by any means, really. Yeah. Well, you know, I wanted to go back though when you were saying like uh, keeping it raw, like going to three rows for a second. There's an obvious, there's an obvious rawness to that film. Like it's almost mixed media in that there's camcorder footage, there's you know real di- uh, di- digital footage, but at the same time, there was a beauty to that movie. Like, a lot of the desert shots, just, I mean, even, like, the music, um, which kind of reminds me, like, which goes back to Knight of Cups, and just Terrence Malick's, like, more recent style, where it's, like, there's a lot of guerrilla style, a lot of, like, guerrilla style filmmaking, but there's still a beauty to it, and I think that, I think that's what drew me to, to, to three films, not, and not to say, you know, we're gonna get to man, obviously, but not to just, oh, I like this more than the other, it's not really that, I just, I think, uh, Three Worlds cap- captivated me the most, and it's, it's rare to mix rawness and whatnot with kind of you know beauty and i'm talking uh, visually you know i liked man how would you describe man that's funny because i, I this is i'm getting both of those right there were, there's people who really prefer three worlds there's people who really <clears throat> prefer man um i think formalistically they live in two different spaces sure um man the, the easiest way I, I to describe man is basically it is a day in the life of uh, a computer programmer living in Laurel Canyon who's um, tethered to like a digital lifestyle, his phone, and uh, and basically it breaks down kind of modern relationships and uh, possibly, you know, like a lot of that is about how we set that up is basically about the projection of somebody viewing the film. So at the, as a takeaway from it, your relationship to that story is very much a presentation onto the canvas itself like i'm not forcing an ideology into this picture that much i'm just setting up the space right sure that and that's something was you know i think a lot of like <clears throat> i haven't i hadn't read anything on it i just wanted to watch it and have kind of my own opinion but was at, in the back of your mind not that you were making one but was this trying to kind of be like quote anti mumblecore in that it was like i think a lot of times when there's like when there's like a young relationship movie even to this day with millennials or any kind of people 35 years old or younger like you immediately get that label but i just found like the pov way that man is shot from you know like from the perspective of the protagonist 
to like the the modern te- technology was that was that kind of stuff ever in the back of your mind or were you just kind of trying to make do your own thing and not you know yeah honestly those references are are not in my frame of thought awesome um, I, I think part of the way that uh that man was uh constructed is that i was thinking heavily about just gopro footage and pov yeah. and action sports as a means of like uh, very much a YouTube generation in terms of how they contextually see the world. And here I thought it would be very interesting to flip that script and present it in the most kind of, um, in, in, in a different, completely different context and pacing. So there again, you know, like we're just using tools that are available in a space that feels a little different. And, you know, there's two, there's two different cameras <clears throat> right there's ones that kind of are looking at the landscape from a different perspective and then there's one from the character itself um and then speaking of that mumblecore thing i did another feature film in 2010 Mm -hmm. um called whale and that might have some uh, i think some some of the some of the dialogue about that was how that was referenced into the mumblecore overall in that genre. But I, I think if you even go back and look at that, it doesn't feel like that really at all. Yeah. I remember a couple of years ago, the rapper Lil B came out with a record called I'm Gay. And on the one of the first songs, he's like, I'm trying to live in the future, but really I'm living in a computer. And uh, so it sort of makes me think of of the duality of what you're talking about, like live of like how we relate to this new world, where our personas largely exist in binary, in binaries between you and I, but also like binary code that's in in the in the computer and our relationship with the computer, and and how we function in the internet world, and with zeitgeists and quotes and what genre are we doing and what is this and what is that what do you what do you think yeah no absolutely and you know i didn't want it the thing is man is not a polemic so i have an idea about about how technology works within a certain age group demographic and how it changes the the landscape but the way that it's treated there is basically exactly the opposite of how you would take the, normally you would take that the tech space right, right. <laughs> so this is kind of like an organic situation organic space um kind of maybe somewhat reminiscent of the link letter stuff in the in the 2000s where it's very conversational heavy but also with that in mind contextually formalistically it was very much a presentation of uh what i feel and both of these films, and Canyon especially has this too, is a thing called Mono Nowhere. And uh, it's very much what Ozu was using in a process, right? It's um, basically uh, a passing of time and, and the remnants of a trace of melancholia that, that stays with you as time dissipates. And so in Man, time is condensed, right? You have one day, we're working yeah. with one day, and then in three worlds, you have an elliptical time frame, years, right, uh, decades. Even in the in even in the context of the actual uh, principal photography, that was three plus years just shooting it. Aside from all the pulled footage from you know, let's say twenty years ago or so. Right. 
you know, um, <clears throat> speaking of all that elliptical stuff, I think, <laughs> you know, another reason why, you know, like in Three Worlds, I was so taken to it is I have to talk to you about the wrestling uh, angle. Because uh, I'm a big pro wrestling fan, so watching that reminded me of all that. Like, at my friends, we would literally tape us like reenacting like wrestling stuff and all that right. like so were you were you i filmed myself watching yeah. kickboxing for 20 years <laughs> Wait, were you an attitude era guy uh i was definitely into that yeah nice. um, but I, I predate that as well mm-hmm. and uh you know and there in that sequence it's my cousin yeah. um talking about that but that was uh to me so i so i'm using these elements and th- there is a hint of nostalgia but i but I, I definitely am not trying to emphasize the nostalgia. It's almost like contextually bringing that experience back into what it is now in an adult sense where you're thinking about those things. For me, pro wrestling was, um, yeah, it was, it's, it's super fascinating. Yeah. And uh, especially at that time as a kid, I mean, I was, I mean, we would just be glued to that and watching all the, Same. All the shit go down. Same. Who who were your guys specifically? I'm I'm curious because I I have to um, ask. I love the Ultimate Warrior. Yeah. Um, I I like the underdogs as I still do. Uh, Coco Beware. Nice. Um, he was one of my guys. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> who else did I really like at that time? Mm. Uh, Jimmy Superfly Snuka for sure. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, I, I feel like we're around the same age, so th- so those are some of my guys too. I mean, I, my dad used to take me to house shows. I've seen all of those guys like growing up in Western Massachusetts at the okay. Springfield Civic Center. That's where, yeah. um, yeah, yeah. But I, I, I like Hank. I like Hank Harrigan, Penultimate Night. Oh, those are indie guys. I don't remember. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I but I and but going back to, I didn't look at that stuff as like nostalgic. It's more just like subconscious. Totally. Yeah. It's just like the re- like I again. That's why I love Malik, and that's why I love you know Three Worlds specifically. Like you'll just go through a day, like you do what you have to do in that day. Then you think back like a week. Then something right. triggers, and you think back to when you're ten years old. And then this like thing of music comes in your like all within a day. And I like just the kind of jazziness, the kind of seamless flowing from like present to the past to what am I gonna do? Like even th- you know th- yeah. thinking about the future, like the characters thinking about. His future in the biz, if you know, if I can use air quotes, um, sure. you know, they now, can't. We can't record air quotes. No, that's that's why I announced it. I know. Yeah, I like that. <laughs> do you like do, do you like jazz? I do. You know, I, I like jazz, of course. Um, it's it, uh, I'll riff on what you said. So that's a really the subconscious aspect is is very important. How we structured this um, for me. Uh, again, I, I'm just using Japanese terminology because it, it just it's kind of what I was getting into in terms of how I was thinking about this, but there's a there's an idea called shoshin, and that's called beginner's mind. Mm-hmm. And in beginner's mind, you kind of wither away all of the all of the pre-context, so that you're looking at something you, you might have done it something a hundred times, but now you're looking at this canvas blank, and you go, "How the fuck can I make a movie within thinking about shoshin?" Mm-hmm. And for me, that was how I went about trying to piece this together, right? Like, oh. I'm going to take these this, these different elements, I'm going to do it piece by piece by piece by piece and come up with a whole that will feel different. But at the same time, like, experience is very important in both of these films, right? So yeah. <clears throat> how do you present something where your audience has no fucking clue where you're going to go next? 
in this media space where everybody knows where everything is going to drive next, what's next, what's going to happen next in this kind of structure, how can you keep somebody engaged but still try to induce some sort of hypnosis into them and have them glued and, and interested in what you're presenting, even though it's not technically what you might imagine uh, a film to have, right? Material sure. film normally has. Sure. Well, that certainly worked on me. I want like, have you seen um this? Your movie didn't remind me of this at all, but it still is in kind of the same lane. Have you seen Post and Nervous Lux? I have not. No. It's you know Carlos Regatas. He did like Battle in Heaven, Hapone, Silent Light. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Post and Nervous Lux. I I think I actually like that you haven't seen that. I think you'd be reminded of yeah of of it Malik a Peach Pong. You know, like, I think it's all... I think Post and Ever Slucks and, and your film would make a nice uh, du double feature. It's very... You, just like the subconscious. Like, one minute, you're here. The next minute, you're in the past, future, present. It, it's it's a really flowing kind of subconscious film. I'm sorry, Scott, what were you saying? Do you fuck with the pizza, Paul? Uh, I do. Um, probably not heavily. No, 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 no. And that, I, I'm interested in, in that type of work, yeah. Technically, the slow cinema is something that i find fascinating um it's sure. antithesis to everything we have right now and uh for me it goes back to my love of ozu right it's um to me when you look back at an ozu film made in the 50s it's as then as it is now like it does not age the same way as a lot of these other films oh i absolutely agree well i mean ozu i mean you're getting it we're getting into I try not to bring up as much, but I mean, Ozu is one of Claire Denis' two favorite filmmakers of all time. Claire Denis is my favorite, so it's like, sure. before I even knew who Claire Denis was, I actually knew who Ozu was, but I didn't even start to appreciate Ozu until I learned that, like, oh, Claire Denis loves him very much. Or, like, 35 right. Rums, her, her 2008 film, was like, her, right, like, quote, that. it was like, she described that as her version of an Ozu movie, like, her trying right. to make it an Ozu movie. Um, yeah. Yeah. Very much. So. Um, let's that's, one, that's one of her best movies, too. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Definitely. No question, no I question. I wanted to back up for a second because you quickly touched on something. Can we talk about this B-Boy? Uh, yeah, your, yeah. your, your B-Boy past? Where, where was that? Uh, talk to us about that. Yeah, yeah. I grew up as a B-Boy. Actually, I have... Uh, there you go. I have uh, one of my Mirrors videos has uh, some uh, garage breakdancing in it. I'll, I'll send it your way. But, uh, yeah, I used to... Um, I used to b-boy uh, at a certain time I started dancing with uh, West Coast Rock City crew um, PZ oh, Rock and, okay. and the crew over here so uh, that was my thing man that was my thing for a little while um, four step or six step uh, four step man up rocks yeah just keep it yeah. clean nice. uh, I agree was, I agree I agree with four step like all day yeah this was right before so my favorite song at that time was Chief Rock uh, Lord of the Underground oh hell yes there you go um and then uh, all that shit, like the you know, uh, Far Side, Souls of Mischief, like that, that's the shit we were listening to back then. So well, that's the Cali. I mean, so Cali. You, so. so you raised you raised in West Coast. I was raised in West Coast. Yeah, West, I liked West. a lot of the I liked a lot of the East Coast shit though, like uh, you know, Tribe, De La Soul, all that was. Really or, what was or, or like you said, Lords of the Underground. Lords of yeah. You know, I think so. This is our second director we've interviewed that has a b-boy past. Um, at least. At at least, yeah. We um, I don't know if you've seen the uh, the IFC Midnight film Dark Song. I have not. No. Yeah, Gavin. Um, oh, jeez. Yeah, he um, the director of that film. Liam Gavin. Liam Gavin. Sorry. Yeah, Liam Gavin. Uh, he's from the UK. 
he has a b-boy breakdance background too so that's, so that's kind of cool i mean because i also am, yeah. m2 may gant probably breakdance at some point that's true I, okay so the third filmmaker uh so m2 Gant. So, so so now pretty much half most of the filmmakers we've majority. ever directed have, in, have interviewed have have interviewed uh were b-boys at some point that's yeah. wild yeah we have i mean there's like a big hip-hop background to this podcast we're both hip-hop nerds Okay. Scott, well, we're both a producer. Scott, we're, we're both rap producers. We're both rap producers. Scott has scored, you know, films, but we come from a hip hop background. I, I, I did DJ battles back in the day. I was an ITF okay. DMC. I did all that uh, stuff. Dope. Yeah, I, I'd be surprised. I feel like, you know, we get this conversation. We could, we, we might know some of the same people, honestly. Uh, out, who, out in LA specifically. Who, who's your favorite rapper? Who's my favorite rapper? Huh? Top five. Uh, top five. Top five. One second to think about this. No problem. So, um, of course. Just some some shit. Um, yeah, no, we didn't mean to put you on the spot, but sometimes that that I think it's the best way. Marcus yeah. can go first if that'll help you. Yeah, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, who's your who's your, right. who's your top This five? is personal. This is personal. So I'm gonna go. Not Mi- business. Yeah, Mike and Nine from Freestyle Fellowship, Fat Lip from the Far Side, Farrell Monch, Cool G Rap, and OC. That's my top five. Personal. Mo- Most Deaf, Pasta Noose, Andre Three Thousand. Ghostface, Scarface. That's five. That's Devin five. the Dude. That's five. That's six. You have to have a sixth man. Oh, well, then Nas, if we're having a sixth man. Devin the Dude, Black Thought, yeah, Gift of Gab. All right. That's your top eight. Okay. All right. So, I would say, I would say Ghostface is in, is in my five. They say um, Doom? No. Yeah. That's nine. I would say, uh, thinking about it, I would say, um, I would say definitely Q-Tip is in there for me. Okay. Um, on Tribe. Um, I would say, I think, what I rock to the most. Um, hmm. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I can't pull it out. Like, what would be... Hey, Ghostface and Q-Tip is fine. Well, I mean, we're going to keep this going at any point. You, we're kind of free-flowing. Blurred out. Yeah, if yeah. stuff comes to you, please. Um, yeah, I. There's, did you li- have you listened to the new Bjork album? I have not. No. I heard it's good. good. Yeah. It just came out. She says she's gonna put out another record with more flutes. Okay. When that come out? <laughs> like, like. It was her- late last year. No, no, a new one yeah. came out this week, dog. Oh shit! Oh, yeah. I didn't even know. Oh, no, uh, oh I'm uh, thinking of. Yeah, no. Uh, this. Uh, to to give out more information, that I really feel like I'm in I'm I'm in group therapy. And one of my group therapy mates today was like, "Hey, you heard the new Bjork album?" I'm like, "There's a new Bjork album." I gotta get on that because there's a new. She was like, "She was like, there's a new Bjork album, and she's about to put out another one with flutes." Damn. And then we talked about our feelings. Damn, that's important. That's good. There's a new Brian Eno album too that I forgot. I got. I gotta get on that too. It's it's his new installation album. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. I wanted. I, I did want. I feel like because I feel like we've gushed a lot over Three Worlds, and we we bring up Man, and I you know I don't want to keep going in and out of that, but just to, to get back to to get on Man for a second. There's this image, there's this image of like the couple, you know, man and woman, man and man, woman and woman, like both inhabiting a couch, like on their phones, but like not communicating with each other. Or there's I think like we've all at least in this interview, maybe we've all been there where like. You're on the couch with your significant other, and she texts you something right. while you're on the... You know, like, I was reminded of that movie. You know, it's funny. When I went to watch the screener of Man, something funny happened with uh, my, my computer for a second, and it was, like, stuck on the um, the the 
it was moving it back back and forward uh the 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 vimeo video and i was like whoa what's going on it's kind of bugging out and and, at every random frame it would like stop on the iphone or it would stop on the ipad i was like so before i watched it i'm like okay i feel like this is like so this film is big into like the modern technology and it's just one of those things how it's cliche and typical but how technology there's so many options but it does kind of like separate us to to some degree and i as I, as i was watching the movie i kept thinking about like how physically you're so close to someone but then you have this device and it's kind of like what is the word it just makes it almost desensitizes you well, and, it's just, and, and it's, it's nothing just, new but i think your film kind of showed that yeah it's a meta five for our our existence where like yeah you'll be you'll be with your significant other talking to them and texting them at the same time while watching Netflix, while thinking about Tumblr, while the Huffington Post, it's like we're killing ourselves slowly instead of focusing on one thing at a time. But I like yeah. that your film talked about that without, like, bashing you over the head with it. Yeah, I mean, because, you know, there is some elements about tech that I find interesting and, and uh, you know, like we're doing this right now over... Skype. I mean, exactly. We could not do this easily ten years ago. No. So, so there is that that aspect of it. But the other aspect about it is, and you know, again, this is an experience as just this character in this film. But um, the whole idea of a relationship like that, to me, I feel is very much a zeitgeist thing, where people have these relationships, and sometimes they're initiated online, and. Um, and to capture that in the most unfettered way possible in, ter in terms of a time capsule was important to me. So I feel like I feel like you can look back later on this as well and be like, oh, that, that that's how that's how shit was was happening at that time. And at the same time, you have a presentation in terms of like how you'll feel about either character because there was a character flip in this, right? There's a I, I think. Uh, I think generally when you get into like the pacing of it, you'll start having a different relationship with the female character than you had with the person that's showing you the space, the world. Sure. It's almost invisible, right? Yeah. But now, so, but I wanted to pose a question because sometimes I do, I don't, I'm not normally a devil's advocate, but when it comes to technology, I do think about... I mean, I know th things are different, but how different in that the older generation, you see those pictures on the subway where everyone's face is in a newspaper or everyone's face right. is in a book. Like, do you really think it's... I know it's different. That goes without yeah, saying, because the internet is, it, it, is one thing, but do you see, like, two couples in the 1950s, like, sitting on the couch and not speak? Like, it, it's it's the same. It's it's different, but at the same time, it, it, it's the same thing. Like, would you agree to some extent? I know. Or? I mean, I... I I agree a lot to that statement and so but for me that that was part of the presentation that presentation is that you can decide how you feel about technology we're just going to present a very honest look at of a presentation between this character's life in this specific time in, in this specific and the dialogues itself is relevant to right now so um, for me capture that was important uh i don't really see it that often in media in terms of the, the presentation with it being formalistic and using tools the way that they're used and how it kind of ends but um 
so I so again, it's not a polemic on technology. It's just a presentation about what what we have and what's going on. Yeah, right? where we're at right now. Uh, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. It just, I mean, I don't know. I, uh, yeah, just through just through technology, you know, having your producer send me the screeners to watch just little things like that like just you know that make life a little easier i, I do think the main difference is there's a lot more options as i mean social media didn't exist years ago yeah there's access yeah and things are are immeasurably easier to do you make records i make records you make records make like making records 15 years ago used to cost so much money now right. i can make a record with almost no money and maybe on your phone or on, on iPhone. My, I, I mean not if me but yeah. like like the only thing i'm paying for nowadays is mixing yeah i can everything else you can do you we can talk used to be your producer would send us a vhs tape and we would have had to watch it on a vhs yeah, yeah. i yeah. remember when i when we used to when we used to make cd's we'd have to make a thousand and 500 of them would just be would that we have to send to the radio stations. Yeah. You know? So the fact that we can just post a Vimeo link and then we can be talking through the singularity is 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 both amazing and scary cuz I do think we've been de- desensitized and like memes have turned people into sociopaths. But I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> um Amir, uh, so two things. One, I want to know, uh, film-wise, director-wise, who you're feeling right now. There's there's no limit. And then I want to know some new stuff, uh, getting more into depth and some newer stuff that, that you're working on um, as well. So okay, who are you feeling so, right now? Yeah, you know, I mean, I, I've been, I've tried to decouple myself from media for the last few years. Mm-hmm. So I have not been watching shit. Like, I, I just have tuned out as much as I can. That's important. Uh, Yeah. Aside from like videos and stuff that are online, um, I, I probably have not watched a film in in over a good year and a half, two years. Wow. You haven't Um, seen a movie in two years. Not not in totality. I've seen, I've seen parts. And and this is like the whole Soderbergh thing, right? He's like sitting in a fucking airplane and he's looks over and somebody's like fast forwarding forwarding his movie for the action sequences he's like i quit right yeah right (laughs) to me that's that's a funny case because that's um that's a given that's where we're at that's that's part of the the situation itself so i tried to remove myself as best as i could out of the current frame of mind um i respect that i was well then that brings up another question so what uh if you can remember if you have it handy so then do you have breaks? Like, do you have? Do you build up big cues? Like, like what's in your queue now? Like, when when you come up yeah. for air? Like, what? So I want to see. I want to see twenty four frames. Uh, the Kurosami film. That's yeah. probably the and Kurosami going back is is uh, top five for me. Right. Um, yeah. Major influence. So if I think about films that I really, let's see. So if I go back into the early two thousands, probably the filmmaker I liked most um, was Michael Winterbottom. He was to me the, one of the more interesting filmmakers of that time. Hey, Twenty Four Hour Party People, I think, is one of the best like music uh, films like ever. It's so it's so chaotic, 
but yet you learn so much. Like, like you, you do forget, like, oh, what the hell is going on? But then you realize there's actually a lot of structure to that movie. It's like it's organized chaos. I think, I think right. that, I think personally, like that, that's my favorite Michael Winterbottom film. Tristram Shandy, I also don't think got, um, I don't think it got enough respect. I think that's a really good, another like great kind of convoluted film. But uh, what, what, what specifically Winterbottom films were you? Uh, in this world is probably my favorite Winterbottom film. Wow. Uh, and uh, the second would be Wonderland. Um, both of those films were pretty moving to me. Um, and he was one of the... So he, if you look back, aside from like Dogma 95 stuff, mm-hmm. he was the first filmmaker at that time, I think one of the big proponents of the digitized like restructuring of crew. Smaller, the better, right? right? Like, let's get rid of all this fucking nonsense. We don't need all this crazy hierarchy and all this stuff. Let's try to build the smallest crew possible and and try to get at the truth. In this world is a, is a case example of that because, you know, I think they took like six months shooting it and the crew was extremely small. They had to build, like, I think they made, they used this new sound thing that was really kind of uh, run and gun. They took a lot of cues from documentary, mm. which is something that I tend to always do. I've always done that. Um, so that, to me, was a very interesting filmmaker at that time. Uh, somebody that I, I thought was doing really interesting work. Uh, if I think about the filmmaker that I like most now, it might be Mike Mills. I, I feel like... Um, He's somebody that I really, mm-hmm. I, I really like his work. Um, Specific films? I love Beginners. I mean, mm-hmm. there's, I there's something I don't about know that. him. Do you know him? Oh, Begin the Ethan Hawke, um, where Christopher Plummer is his dad. It turns out he was gay all along, and then Christopher Plummer experiences being gay for the first time at like seventy. And then, like, Ethan Hawke has his own relationship stuff at the same time. Oh yeah, that was a good movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah it was a great movie. Yeah. yeah, he has a sensitivity that I feel everybody bites off of. Mike Mills had a crazy career as a music video uh, director in the 90s with that whole gang, right? The Directors Guild, which was him, uh, Spike Jones, Is Sophia Coppola. Uh, who, um... Oh, yeah, that, well, it's funny, because I was just talking about Chris Cunningham uh, last night to someone. He's He's... He's not exactly in that crew of folks, but he was still active at the same time when, like, the music videos and MTV were like, oh, they're really cool. Like, like uh, Jonathan Glazer, Mark Romanek, all those... Uh, right, oh, oh. right. Oh, I just... I didn't... Scott was just pointing out that's uh, Miranda July's husband. <clears throat> Mike Mills is married yeah. to Miranda July. I, I had, I had no idea. Didn't he? He also did Thumbsucker. Yes. Yeah. He did. With I like I Thumbsucker. I really did. Yeah. yeah. I like Miranda July, too. Miranda July's awesome. I, I mean, mean we, we shouldn't judge people on their partners, but it's interesting that two talented people found each other. It doesn't surprise me. Yeah. Uh, you know. Me and you and everyone we know and everyone you know is still That's uh, a beautiful uh, I still love movie. that movie very, very I, much. I like parts of the future. Parts, yes. The uh, cat yeah. I like part of the cat stuff. I like all the, I like all the cat stuff. I honestly. like her I like her I like her her style yeah. of like just like I'm being weird, and how are we existing in the world? I wish she was more frequent. She's someone too. I wish she had like a larger. She who body knows work. if she's. But she does other stuff. She's she, a visual she, artist. She's 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 magical. Sure. She's doing her thing. Yeah. She's got a movie coming out. She's got a movie oh. coming out. Yeah. Nice. Good. Um, of course, uh, you know, I gotta I gotta put this out there. Um, always a big fan of Vincent Gallo. I gotta say. Yes. That. I I, I, was, I love I, the brown I'm bunny unironically. Uh, it's a dope film. 
it, it's a beautiful, sad, touching, a, emotional. Brown Bunny is a very good movie. Yes. No argument here. Okay, I'm curious because you're someone who probably has access to more festivals and whatnot than, than, than like we do. Have you seen Promises Written in Water? I have not, no. And, uh, you know speak, about it though, right? I do, Oh, yeah. okay, 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 um, okay. It's funny that you mentioned that. I had, I, I'm kind of just uh, uh, flew away from the from that whole thing. Like the festival shit, I don't know anything about it after, I, I guess, 2013 maybe is the last time I had a film in a circuit. Wow. Um, I, and this goes, this goes to a, a discussion we were having right a little earlier about music and producing. So this is the big, this is what we're coming up across right now. In terms of technology and filmmaking, this is going to be the thing where you have so music, the gatekeepers, all that whole oh, system of music is like, dude, you can throw it up. There's little cost involved, but you can throw it up and you can communicate directly to your audience. Now, you might not have the platform, but you can build that platform. Yeah, you yeah. can fucking do it yourself. You can just grind it out and find people to be interested in what you're doing. Filmmaking is uh, is. Is the 1950s structure of elitism. Like, it's set up in a way where everything you do costs X amount of money, right? You want to get into the festivals, rather you have like a big producer, actors attached to your film, right? Or, you know, you, you, somebody fucking picks you out, like, a, you know, they pick out a Joe Swanberg and they're like, this is the guy, right? Somehow that happens. But in but- the most in most cases, like I'm, I'm talking about early 2005. Right. So in most cases, if you're just submitting your films, like you're just thinking about the, the amount of submissions these guys get, the time, just the logistics, it, it's, it becomes like an incredibly long winded game that doesn't really make sense today. Right? Like doing a circuit for two years is weird. Right? When in music, you just throw up a film in a year. Yeah. You got a ghost back there? <laughs> oh, no, no, we're good, we're good. But, um, what else? So, okay, Mike Mills, Mike Michael Winterbottom, Vincent Gallo. I yes. like that list. Those aren't also, usually, those aren't usually things that people throw out. Yeah, and also to go back, like, sometimes I'll look at stuff, like, I'll look at the cost of, like, a Steven Spielberg movie for no reason. Yeah. Like, like, that movie where he's, where Tom Hanks is, like, Stranded in a in an airport. Yeah, that movie costs a hundred that hundred million dollars. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. And it's just like why, why 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 are we why are we making movies for a hundred million dollars when you could make like nine thousand smaller movies? And I do see I hear what you're saying about like Joe Swanberg, which is sort of like what labels were doing with certain genres now like you don't have to now i think there's more access but i still think there's elitism on every on every foot except in like the online world but i don't understand the online world like youtube taste making youtube there's people that are that are more famous than like a lot of famous people and i don't know who they are they yeah. have a, right. like they they have a billion views and they're controlling their narrative, and are like these rappers that have five hundred million views yeah, and yeah. I don't even understand. I didn't even know who Logan Paul was 
until he started trending, you know, on Twitter for like the wrong reasons. And I'm right. like, oh, this guy's like super. Po- I had no. It's, it's amazing. He's like the most famous person, and I didn't <laughs> know who he was. And he has a brother who's also famous. Yeah, and they're and they seem to be. They seem to be venomous, poisonous people, <laughs> proliferating terrible shit. Yeah. Look, I, yo, anybody any, like him, Troyev, anybody that makes fun of suicide can go fuck themselves. Yeah. Yes. Absolutely. I, of I'm, course. I'm not very. Of course. When you put I, it that way. But I'm not super. I try to be understanding and kind, and I never regret being kind. And I try to see people's point of view, and I think that some that. Logan Paul or Troy Ave, there's an immaturity to their poking fun of 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 the mentally ill that that is just a little too much for me. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, no no argument there. My my argument is that the fil- filmmakers, and I just see this as just going to be a thing that's going to have to happen, is that that savviness that those guys have, the next generation of filmmakers coming up has to go and find a way to tap into that and not fucking worry about con. Like, that's the way to go and build your fucking platform. You have to own your platform. You gotta get away from this, like, structure that's gonna keep you in into this space where, you know, you're basically uh, beholden to everybody else. Somebody, ha- a group of people have to figure a way to break out of that because it's gonna naturally happen anyway. Yeah. It just happens. Sure. So the, all right. So uh, moving forward, what 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 is next? What what's in the, besides recording the EP? Uh, what what's what's new for these two and films? Yo, could you send us some of your music to listen to, man? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. If you yeah. send us some music by Wednesday, we'll put one of your songs as the outro for the episode. Right? Oh. You can do that. Oh yeah. Why don't we just do that? Yeah, actually, if you could do that tonight, because I want to edit this tonight, because I'm not gonna have time to do it tomorrow. So if you could send me some music tonight. Like so, it's like well, when when we get off record, we'll we'll we'll, we'll talk about all that stuff. Um, yeah. I'll, I'll I'll edit this part out. So yeah, what um so uh, upcoming for these two films, uh, your next films, music. What, right. what what do we have to look forward to? So I'm just trying to get Three Worlds out there. I'm trying to get Man out there. Um, mm-hmm. I'm going about it in multiple different ways. This is one way. Um, you know, just going straight to the source and saying, hey, I think you guys will like this. You know, whatever, it's not playing at fucking Sundance, but I think you'll still enjoy it. So if I can tap into more people like that and find people who find interest in this work, that's going to be helpful. Uh, I do have distribution offers already, but but I need to build uh, some press for these films first. Uh, and I need to find a, uh, an audience that kind of will find them uh, interesting a sure. little bit more, uh, aside from, you know, just like the deliverables cost and all that. So I don't know exactly how much I'm, we're going to go about that. We're trying multiple angles, right? So, uh, but I am finding it very receptive. People do enjoy these works. They find it interesting. They have things to say about it. So uh that's one thing um the other thing is rainbow season which is the new record i'm recording with another producer out in la uh kid gusto now rainbow season is going to have a film attached to it nice. um, much like canyon did but this is a little different this is less um this is probably going to be uh, it's going to be feel, feel more scripted um now am i going to be able to pull that off in the way that the, how how scaled up it is i don't know I, I hope so, right? I hope I find, you know, I, I do have to go about finding the money necessary to make this happen. I think it'll, without it, it won't have the same impact. Um, sure. And then, uh, 
know, uh, in terms of scripts, man, I, I, I got a bunch. So a lot of them are bigger in scale. They're, they're not ground up. So Man and Three Worlds are both ground up, and we were able to do them with a little Indiegogo and just, you know, uh, finding money here and there. Um, the films I have that are uh, in the pipeline, they do need some backing. They would need some uh, an actor attached to them with a name. Um, and so hopefully that happens. Generally, though, when I get frustrated, if that happens, I'll just end up making another film from the ground up if necessary. Sure. Which I is the same shit I've been doing, you know, and just try to figure a different way about it. Keep on making art, right? You got to right, keep man. on making art. Yeah. Um, where can people find you? www.amirmotla.com uh, I am on Vimeo I'm on YouTube a lot of my films are available online free if somebody needs screeners for Three Worlds or Man uh, hit me up uh, we'll figure a way to get that to you guys um, festival programmers I know you guys you guys need this so holler uh, all the information is available on my website uh, my band's website is mirrorsmusic.com M-I-R-S music.com i just uh, released another single called saturday rainbow season comes out in the summer nice um, yeah oh yeah we're you, gonna put all that you, stuff you out. hear that people that's how you promote yourself that was very clear that was very concise hi doug um you we have an email address now zebraspod at gmail.com if you have any questions if you have any gripes oh oh amir do you mind if i read our first fan email we just received our first fan email. You know, we, we, we just do what we do. We have our little, we have our podcasts. You know, we have a few hundred listeners. You know, building slowly and slowly. After sure. this episode, we'll have a thousand listeners. Yeah. You know? Because people are going to be like, man, that mirror, that was a good episode. But we decided to, you know, just, just be a little more professional. You know, always right. wear a collar. Always wear a collar to work. You know? Um, I like it. Melissa Silvestri says, Hi Marcus and Scott, I really enjoy listening to Zebras in America a lot. I heard of it via Wrong Reel, which I got into because I know Bill Scurry, and talk about films with him a lot on FB. I believe that means Facebook. I love how your podcast combines an interest in arthouse films, low-budget movies, underground hip-hop, and a casual vibe that feels very inviting. And thanks to your Claire Denis coverage, I went to see Let the Sunshine In oh, last beautiful. week beautiful. and really enjoyed it a lot. Side note, it's a great movie. You should watch it. We saw it in theaters. It's a it's a light departure. It's a lighter fare for Claire. Yeah. Oh, nice. Yeah. Yeah, I said that. And I like it. Uh, the only other film I had seen of hers was 35 Shots of Rum, which I liked as a quiet family drama. You guys have really great insight into film, and I really love listening to your analysis and understanding of a variety of... Of film genres. Oh, I recently nice. had fun on FB, I think that's Facebook, listing the films that have had the most impact on me, posting one film poster a day for 10 days in oh, a yeah, row. Oh yeah, they're doing that on Facebook. Though yeah. I cheated on posting two to three film posters on a day when I couldn't choose one film per day. Sort of like how I named 10 rappers as Nine, my five favorite. But close enough. Yeah. <laughs> it was tough to narrow down to just 10 days of films that aren't just my favorite. And these are the following. She has a big list. Wow. Look, look, I love you, Melissa Silvestri, but I'm not going to read this entire list. But I love you. Thank I you. For... Hear a I want to hear a couple. Okay. P. 
Pee-wee's Big Adventure, childhood favorite for its weirdness and creativity. The Professional, the first really adult movie I saw. Sunshine Cleaning, indie film from 2008, starring Amy Adams and Emily Blunt as sisters that I really connected with and have watched several times. Actually, I would see that movie. Oh, yeah, it was with Alan Ark. Yeah, they're like forensic cleanup. They start a forensic business. Oh, I saw that movie. Business. Yeah, That yeah, movie's yeah. dope. Yeah, yeah. I like that movie. Yeah. Uh, Airheads, I mean, obviously. That's a yeah. great movie. The Lo- the Lo- the Lone Rangers. Yeah. Long Kiss Goodnight. Rounders. Pope of Greenwich Village. Daughters of the Dust. Okay. Very good. Okay, this lady, this this Melissa, Melissa, that's your name? Sylvester. Melissa Sylvester, you got some good taste, my friend. Broken English. Big. Unhook the Stars. Living Out Loud. I Sorry this was so long. I really love listening to your show and wanted to share my film taste with you too. Best Melissa Silvestri. Well, you didn't right, well, share it with just us too. Yeah, you shared it with all of our listeners, all the all the Hebras and Shebras, and Amir, who's now a, a, a Hebra for life. You're more than welcome to come back to the show whenever you want. Yeah, oh, yeah, seriously, open invite. We appreciate appreciate you spending this time with us, and you always have stuff. So when you have a new project coming out, just you know you. Let, let us know. Oh, oh, open invite always. You came, you came on the show and left with a piece of our hearts. Well, <laughs> let me let me ruin that right now. Let me give one more thing. Sure. Um, Orca the Killer Whale is a better movie than Jaws. Agreed. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Oh man, my brothers. Four.